The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Very active starting a business. It takes a lot of gumption. I really want to dig in deep, figure out what makes these people tick, how they are leveraging their success to make the rest of the world a better place. Maybe have a couple of giggles along the way. From the Pod 617 studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Kilroy Report, the podcast that shares the stories of entrepreneurs and agency owners doing extraordinary things in an ordinary world. Now here's your host, Tim Kilroy. Hey everybody, it's Tim. Welcome to the Kilroy Report, where I spend my time talking to people who are building extraordinary businesses in an ordinary world. And today I'm super excited to have Richard Garvey from Different SEO with me. Now, just as a disclaimer to get this out right up front, Richard is in fact one of my coaching clients. So I know him well, and I know I understand a lot about his business, but the reason why he's here, there's two reasons. Number one is he is, he's a, like a content master. So he, he understands the way the content and SEO and customer journey work together extraordinarily well. And the other thing and that I want to touch on is essentially Richard had like a 30 grand a month side hustle that he has just, that he has just taken the, the big leap into having his own agency. And I, I want to talk to you about the stresses and strains around creating a sizable, a sizable side hustle. Plus I want to talk about the, the fear, the passion, the joy, the terror of deciding to pull the ripcord on being an employee and becoming an employer. Yeah. Because it's a big deal. All right. So why don't you, why don't you give us the, the, the quick and dirty on who you are, how you got to where you are today. And then, and then we can jump into some meteor topics. Yeah, I'll try to get out of the way quick because I know people don't really care too much. But uh, yeah, you summed it up. So I was doing SEO pretty much on the side for the last couple of years. And that grew as I started started to expand what we did, build out our process and get a few more clients. It quickly became evident that it didn't make sense to be working my full-time job, which was a, a head of marketing for a tech startup in the hospitality space, which happened to survive all the way through COVID. And then- That's shocking. Yes, it was shocking. And, and then when I decided to branch off, it was just, it was, it seemed like a clear decision, but obviously I had to get buy-in from the fiance now wife. And then it was, it's been interesting since I left. I thought it would, I didn't know how to expect to feel, but it's been, uh, quite a journey. I had my first migraine a few days in. Uh, so that was interesting. It was on awesome. an airplane. I thought yeah. I was dying because I'd never had a migraine before. I just came out of nowhere. So I was like, this is it. And that was sort of, but I appreciate it because it's an early wake up call that most entrepreneurs probably get uh, years down the road. It's like, okay, let's take a deep breath. Every day is not the end of the world. It's not the most important day of your business every day, even though it feels like it. And then just sort of create that balance, which is one of the first things we had spoken about because you had said, what is your capacity to work? And I was like, 13, 14 hours. That's, that'll be fine. You're like, that's not fine. So it was a quick <laughs> no, reminder of that. Yeah. Like it's, it, it isn't fine because if you are the, if you were the engine behind your business, you're going to have plenty of fuel in the tank. And if you're running it to red line every day, you break down. 
Yeah. You got, you got to give yourself time for an oil change now and then. Yep. Um, so I right. make sure meditation and deep breathing are back in the agenda every day and okay. feel better. Uh, great. I don't know if you and your wife have children in the planned in the Not future, yet. but if you do have them planned, kiss those meditation and your complex morning ritual. See you later. Those are gone. <laughs> but, Let's wake up earlier. It's not possible. Like you just so you like you cannot beat a toddler awake. It's not it just can't be done. Like the minute they sense that there's someone to take care of them, bam, they're awake. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, yeah. That's besides the point. So 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 let's talk about the like the meta stuff. So like what's what's the current state of SEO? Because I, I ran SEO for a big agency uh, a million years ago. I used to be an SEO hotshot, and I still pretend like I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But SEO has changed so much, right? Because yeah. when I started doing SEO back when the internet was on cuneiform tablets, it was really, it was, there was a lot of tech, there was a lot of tech issues with it. Can remember describing to customers what an, IIS, an IIS rewrite was so we could change their URLs into something cooler than they were. Mm-hmm. But, but a lot of that stuff has sort of fallen by the wayside. Because yeah. Google's way smarter, way smarter about jumping over technology hurdles than, than we are. Than, yeah. So, so what has changed now that technical SEO is necessary, but not a huge driver? Well, I think you really nailed it. So when you talk about SEO, it's a bit of a mysterious term, but when you break it down, it's just trying Google, trying to deliver the best experience possible on their platform. And same thing with Bing and all the other search engines. So the purpose of them from day one was to provide the best results possible for their users. And that has never changed. So that's been always the goal of SEO. And what you're talking about as far as the technical side is people have been saying, okay, they want us to create the best product, but what can we do to sort of hack the system and, and get up the rankings? So initially it was putting a bunch of keywords on the page and then- White, white on white text, man. Yep, it was hiding this stuff and- or, Google- or- Putting text at negative 10,000 pixels. Yes. Exactly. But like you'd mentioned, Google is getting smarter and smarter. So what SEO is becoming is there's no tricks. There's no hacks. And if they are still out there, there might be a few. It is a waste of time trying to use them because they're just going to get overwritten. And that's when you hear people complain about their traffic crashing after a core algorithm update in December. It's like, well, that's because you're doing something you shouldn't have been doing. If you are focused solely on providing the best experience possible for the people that are landing on your page, you're never going to get hurt by a Google algorithm update. And that's really the focus. And that's why we lean so heavily on content strategy, on content creation, uh, and just website development overall, just to make sure that experience from the time they search for the term to the time they land on your page, and then hopefully pulling them further through your page is exactly what they want. And of even exceeding their expectations every step of the way. And that's the future of SEO. Okay. So if we're pretending like Google will unreservedly reward us for treating our customers well, yeah. how, do you know, uh, what, how do you know what your visitors want? How do you sort of match up the needs of your, of your clients, of the marketer, with the needs of the searching public? How do you connect those things in an ongoing way, because you can do keyword research mm-hmm. and like, you might guess right, you might guess wrong. So how do you, how can you map what I as a marketer need to say to my audience 
so that I understand that my content is good and it serves the purposes of my audience, but how do I match up the, what they're searching for versus what I'm offering? Can, can I create demand through search or can I only capture demand? No, you can't really create it because the when you're talking about keyword research, you there's a lot of different facets that go into it. So you can pull up the first thing you have to do is always just put yourself in the shoes of your customers and what they want. And then when you do that, when you figure out the questions they would be asking that your solution would be, or your product or your service or whatever would be the perfect solution for, that's a good basis for where you want to start your keyword research. And there's a lot of different tools and technologies out there that we use, Ahrefs, SEMrush, all these different things that will give you a full list of keyword ideas. And then once you have that idea, once you think this is a good one, the then the key is to really dive into that to figure out the intent of that keyword. So if someone's searching for like, a, I don't know, a different a type of backpack or something, and then you search for that term and you just look at what the types of pages are that are coming up. And that's what Google thinks is the best ones for that user. So if you're looking up red backpacks and you see 10 product pages for all these different things, you're not going to be able to rank your fashion blog on there because it's not what the people are looking for. So you have to match up the intent and the type of content you're creating. So if you are a backpack provider, if you're a a retail backpack maker, yeah, you have a good chance to rank there because when people search for that's what they want. They want a product page, they want a collection page, they want to buy something. But if if someone searches for what's the best backpack to wear on a hiking trip, then they don't want to buy something necessarily. They want a blog post. And you see the search results will all be blog posts about the best hiking gear and the best sure. travel places. So it's okay, so, so, the, so Google gives you a map, right? They, yeah. they basically say, this is the content we like. And so then you just like copy it and make like me too content. Like, oh, yeah, 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 we sell backpacks too. Or yes, we know about hiking. Right. Like that's, is that what that the, is, is copying other people, the key to success? It's a good start. So it's not how you're going to excel past them, but understanding what's already ranking for a term or a question, you're not going to change Google's mind because they have decided that is what people want. And for the most part, they're right. So they're going based on a thousand different ranking factors that they don't tell anybody, mostly about people behave on the page. So the conversion rates, the time on the page. So people are clicking on it and they're liking it. So what you have to do is figure out, does your company do that as well? Or because if you are... If I, me as an uh, SEO agency decide to try to rank for retail backpacks, Google understands the context around what I do. They know my whole page. They know sure. what we do, who we are. So they're going to say, hey, this page is good, but that's not what that company does. So you, there's really no way to trick Google. And that's obviously an extreme example. But even if it's something that's sort of adjacent to who you are, they understand your brand, they understand who you are, and they understand what services you're providing. And if they don't, then you'll never rank because step one is making sure Google understands who you are and what you do. Right. So that's, there's a lot of different ways to do that around structuring your data correctly, making sure you have an, an about page, making sure you have details about who your company is, what they do, listed in plain sight. Because that's when Google will say, okay, this is good. This is a good foundation. Maybe we can rank for some of these other terms when they build out the pages that they want. Okay. So is there are there any spots where SEO like isn't useful. 
like any industries or something? Yeah. Like are, are there, uh, are there places where you think that if you're a marketer and you're thinking, well, I'm going to do a bunch of SEO because that traffic is air quotes free. Are there industries that should sort of avoid that thinking? So the short answer is no. Right now, I would recommend a lot of companies, if they're strapped for cash, not to invest in it. If you're in, if you're a purely local business or if you're, uh, it's hard to think of one off the top of my head because the future is all digital. So if people right. think the internet's big now, wait 10 or 20 years when if you don't have a really high quality internet presence, you're not going to have a company. Sure. So this is just the beginning of the technological wave that we're starting in. So the short answer is no. And that's because, again, that term SEO has grown to encompass everything. So it's your the quality of your website. It's the, the look, the feel, the tone, the search engine optimization. So right. the content on the page, how well it's optimized. If you have the best content in the world and people go to your site and it looks crappy, you're not going to rank because they're going to leave. So there's all right. these different factors that weigh into it that SEO is no longer a like a niche term in marketing. SEO is everything that's digital. Right. Well, right. A couple of years ago, mostly Conductor tried to change it to web presence optimization mm. um, rather than search engine optimization. But that that never like that never clicked. But right. isn't W doesn't WPO already stand for something? I'm sure I'm sure it does. But yeah, but, I, I agree that the term should be changed. All right. Okay. So, so in a lot of, like in a lot of ways you were thinking about Google, but the most important person in your world is the visitor to the page, right? 100%. Yeah. Okay. So how do you effectively put yourself into their shoes? Right. Because it's like, it's when you live inside something, like it's really hard to effectively fully understand the, what someone else wants, needs, or is thinking about mostly because you're looking through the lens of what's possible in your world. So, so how do you think about the way other people think? How do you break that down? So the specific way we learn what they're doing is talking to the companies that we are working with very closely. So that's why it's important we have a great dialogue with the sales team, with the CEO, with the VP of marketing. And the first thing we do is do a deep dive into who they are and who their customer is. And okay. very often we find out that they don't really have a clear idea what that is. So, Absolutely. hundred yeah, percent. They'll say, we'll say, all right, who do you want? They'll say, oh, like we're targeting... CMOs or we're targeting decision makers, these companies like, okay, but who are they? So, and we want to dive beyond the demographics of where they work, what their job title is, what their age is. We want to know the type of people that they are. We want to know their psychographic information to create content that will resonate with them. So are they uh, funny? Are they serious? Are they driven? Are they all these different things that if someone walked into a room and you started talking to them, what would they need to do or how would they need to act for you to be like, Oh, this is a perfect person. I know they're going to love my service. Right, and that's so, the type of people that we create content for. Okay. So how do you figure out who that person is? Because uh, in my years as a marketing professional, and even now in my role as a, as an agency coach, a lot of people don't know who that, that, that great customer is, or they're confused about who that great customer is. So for instance, 
I worked with a company, they, and they're a fashion retailer, and they were sure, they were so sure that their customer was 25 to 34, Ivy League educated, blah, blah, blah. Well, when we dug into their customer data and we did some zip code analysis and a bunch of other stuff, we found out that their actual customer was 65 plus, lived in about 35 or 40 different zip codes in the United States, had a net worth, had a net worth uh, above a million bucks mm-hmm. and had an annual income of annual household income of over $300,000. So, so the company thought they were selling to these to these Instagrammy sort of people and they were actually selling to their grandmothers. Mm-hmm. So now what I would say is with those demographics, it's a good start, but there's all types of people that live within that. So we have sure. to dive even deeper. So it's the process is pretty much just a, a brainstorming thought process. Let's do it. This will be interactive. So Tim. Yes. Who, so you found me, right? So when you're no, talking you, you, about yeah, you, your- You responded to cold email. Yes. So when you think about your coaching, potential coaching uh, students, yeah. who are they? What about them makes them a perfect yeah, fit? Yeah, so, so I, like, I already have a persona. They're the frustrated founder. Mm-hmm. So they are typically somewhere in the first- five years of running their agency. Sometimes it's later, but usually it's either within the first five years. Mm-hmm. Usually, but not always, this is the first time that they've run a company. Mm-hmm. That's not always true, but I would say more than 75% of the time, that's true. Mm-hmm. And the like, the big, and, and they're generally under half a million dollars a month in revenue. Mm-hmm. And they feel stuck. They feel like there's unrealized potential because they know their own skills, you know, that they've had, they, that they have not maxed out their skill set. So it's not as if they're like a VC backed company where they've gotten up to whatever, $20 million in sales. And the board of directors says, listen, dude, you are a great startup manager, but you don't know how to run a company. So we're going to make you like the founder emeritus and, and we're going to bring in a professional CEO who's used to dealing with these budgets. Okay. Like mm-hmm. that's not where they are. What, where they are is a spot where they can see the future. Like they know, like, wow, like I know we can get there, but they've smashed their face into a wall because they don't either know how to hire, how to manage, how to sell, how to service or how to think. And so, and so then, and so it's one of those things, like they've got a blocker and, and sometimes the, the blocker is, is added to like they're afraid of screwing up or whatever. That's a slightly different thing, but that's who my, who, that's who my target customer is. And universally, they must already know how to get customers on some level and they must know how to service them because I don't help them get better at their marketing craft. I help them get better at running an agency that, that creates success for their clients. So it's, so I don't teach them the marketing stuff that they do. I teach them how to organize a company that works better. Do you see how radically different that, that explanation is versus someone saying they are a CMO at a fortune 500 yeah. company? Well, that's because I'm really good at what I do. And that's the key. Right. That's what we're trying to build. And the way 
to build a persona is building out that narrative. It's having that conversation. So you've obviously worked a long time on creating that. Most companies would have no idea how to create a story like that. And it takes typically two hour long sessions to get anything remotely like that. So we want to have exactly what you're talking about. We we want to have, first of all, the, like the demographics. So in their first five years under this amount of money, they're not venture back. So these the character or the demographic traits that will just pinpoint who they are. But then there's a lot of, I'm sure there's other SEO agency founders that want to control everything. They don't want any outside information. They think they know it all. And so they would have all the same demographic information, but would not be a good fit. So it's the people that are open to learning, that want to grow, that want to invest, that understand that you're getting something back and it's going to help you in the future, that you don't have to do everything yourself. So that's- By the way, right now, stop and pat yourself on the back for being one of the, the lucky few. There you go. Yeah. And I, my, one of my strengths is my open mindset and path to learning, but which is another trait I'm sure you find in a lot of the people you deal with. So the idea is pulling this out of these people. And you mentioned a ton of things. So you can see how easy it would be to create really impactful content when you understand exactly who you're talking about. So you talked about the, they're stuck. They don't know how to scale. They don't know how to hire. They don't know how to run the agency, all these pieces of content that you could spin up uh, rel- relatively quickly, that would be a perfect fit for your audience. So Google understands that. And that's how you rank. That's how you get SEO optimization, figuring out who your client is exactly, and then creating content that speaks exactly to them. And that's how you get it to convert as well. Right. Okay. So let's imagine you, you are working f- with a company that has arguably multiple personas that they target. Right. Mm-hmm. So you work with a, a retailer who sells men and women's clothes, right? Those are different demographics and they're different, they're different buying triggers and different needs. So how, how do you work? How do you work through that process? That gets to stage two of our, of our process. So oh, wait a minute, we, we, like, out... we have a stage process here. That's crazy. <laughs> like, you can figure this out. Absolutely. Like it's not magic. Absolutely. It's, it's step-by-step. So the first step, figuring out what we just talked about. The second step is what we do is prioritize their their internal needs. So what we do is map out all of their revenue channels. Yep. So we say, okay, how do you make money in all these different ways? So they'll say, so for, for example, we work with a law firm. They say, oh, we do patents, we do trademarks, we do copyrights, we do all these things. And say, okay, what is the, the top revenue generator? And then, and prior to this, they'll say, oh yeah, we want to create content around all this. And then, then they'll say, oh yeah, 85% of our profit comes from patents. Sure. Then 15% or 10% from trademarks, 5% down below. So then we say, okay, so that's obviously the clear winner as far as the revenue generator. What about your future plans and your priorities internally? Do you want to grow something else? Do you want to push on this? And they'll say, yeah, we're actually trying to push further into trademarks. We would like to be that around 50% over the next two years. And then we go through this whole process and then we figure out the prioritization of which pillar we want to go after first. So the way you... Uh, rank for a certain term is you really have to drill down deep on it. So yeah. we're, and depending on the budget, if they, if they're giving us a, an absurd amount of money, we can do all of them at once, but sure. typically we have to go after one at a time. So we create a, 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 a hub and spoke model. So you have the hub, which is going to be the, everything you possibly want to know about that topic. And then you have these spokes that branch out and, and give more detail through all the subsections throughout the topic. So just Got creating it. this supporting funnel of letting Google understand that, A, back to what we want. This is what my company does and this is a perfect fit. And then B, 
the prioritization of, okay, this is what we want to focus on first. And then once you decide that, then you just have to dig as deep as possible to get that knowledge depth that Google understands like, okay, they really are the experts in this. And there's a bunch of technical things throughout that, making sure your bio is on the page and everything for all this eat algorithm, but that's the micro stuff for, from the, right. Yeah. We don't, we, like we don't need to nerd out too much. Yes. Yeah. The general, like, no, the general like, answer like nobody's is, taking notes here. So it's okay. Yeah. The general right. answer is you tackle one at a time after you figure out which is the most important now and in the future. Okay. So, so let's talk about how the, the world has changed. When I look at my, at my handy dandy iPhone here, um, should be an Android. You know what? Uh, I like things that are happy. I like things that are easy. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very good looking, not very smart. So I like, <laughs> I like, make it easy for me. And honestly, um, I've never bought a windows computer. I've only used Macs in my life and you put me in front of a windows computer and it's like, I have to type with my elbow. So I have no idea what I'm doing. You know, it's funny because I switched from Apple to Android a while now, I guess. So it's been maybe six or seven years, but when I go back to an, an iPhone, I'm like, how do I use this thing? Like yeah. everything is so intuitive because you've been using it for so long, but right. now you've changed all like the swipe screens and all that stuff. So it's no longer intuitive. So it's not as easy as you think. So you can switch over to Android and within a couple months, you'll be just fine. Yeah. But that's a, like a couple of months of me being unhappy and confused and feeling. It would be a couple of days probably. And then you'll be so excited. No, again, again, all I mean, this is video. So screen. you can see like, I am very good looking. So anyways, um, so, but, so, so yes, go back. Yeah. Back to the point. Yeah. So, and I actually, I forgot, I, I forgot. Oh, so yeah. when I look at my, at my phone and I'm, and I'm searching for something like my screen is full of ads and I don't yeah. get to the organic results until maybe two, two screen flips up. You don't even get to the organic results then. So that's another big part of the, the wave of the future. First, you see the ads, then you see, and especially on desktop as well, then you see the featured images, then you see the most commonly asked questions, then you see featured snippets, then you see the knowledge graphs. So there's a ton of stuff that's on the page. So the idea is to make sure you understand that and build your content so it fits within that model. Because Google is, is just hyper-focused on providing users with the best information possible as quickly as possible. So if it's a pretty easy to answer question, if it's how much does something cost, they're not going to have to go to a page. They can just have the answer right there for them, but you have to structure position zero, right? Exactly. There's a million position zeros now, but understanding how websites are built from the technical side to, to make sure they're tagged correctly. So Google can pull that information out correctly. And there's the biggest change to 2020 may be the introduction of passages by Google. So no longer does your entire page have to rank for a certain term. They can pull out certain sections of your page. So if you have this long guide and one section is about the best headphone models of, of 2020, they can pull out one section from your guide and pull that into the ranking. So it doesn't need to be your whole page anymore. So that's going to create a whole. I didn't didn't know they did that. Yes. That's brand new. It's expected to affect around like 7% of search results, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's an enormous amount of search results. Yeah. So there's just, it's just getting smarter and you have to constantly be up to date on what they're doing, what they want, be looking at the page, be analyzing when you, so when you're doing the keyword research, like you talked about, sometimes you'll say, oh, okay, there's 40,000 searches a month for this. And it's not even that hard to rank for, but then you have to look at like, okay, but there's, you know, a 0.5% 0.5% click the rate because the answer is right there. Okay. So, all right, let's, let's 
dive deep into this for just one second, because I do yeah. want to get into your jumping off journey, but okay. So if Google's so smart and they're going to give everybody either an ad or some snippet that doesn't require click through, how does SEO help me? Cause it's either going to be you or your competition showing up there. They're still seeing who the site is from. They're still seeing who is providing the information. And if it is in interesting and can pull them further in, they're going to click on it and dive deeper. So you can say, oh yeah, they'll see our information, but they won't click on the site. Well, it's either going to be yours or your competitions that they're seeing. So you still want to be the thought leader in the space. You still want to be putting out the information that can pull people in. And if it's an answer that is so easy that Google can put it out there, it wasn't going to be something that's going to be a high conversion term. So it's not going to be something that's going to convert someone into a customer. So you still have to have all these bottom of the funnel pieces. So Aha, uh-huh. wait a minute. I think you just said something amazing there. So, so, so while we are talking about creating great content for the customer as a marketer, we got to think about, is that, is that attention grabbing or customer grabbing, right? Like that's, and so obviously those sorts of, that sort of content is different, right? Yeah. So, so, so yeah. the stuff that, that makes me pay attention to you versus the stuff that makes me engage with you. So how do you think, like, how do you help your customers prioritize that sort of content creation? Because most marketers are thinking like, I don't care, just make me the money. Yeah. Right? Well, it's a delicate balance because you have to understand that you could just create a bunch of broad generalized content and move the rankings as far as their traffic, but we like Google are trying to do what's the best interest of our customers. So we're not trying to just move the needle for the sake of moving the needle. We want to move it intentionally. So even if it's lower volume search term, we want to go after that because it's going to create more, but we still want to go after those big ones because you have to think about not only the customer journey. So the, the general customer journey is that you have awareness, you have buying the buyer's decision, and then you have the, I can't, yeah. I can't think of the terms at the moment, but you have, awareness, decision-making, and then ultimately they choose who they want to go with. But you also have to think of the, your target audience's life journey. So there, if you're going after these people that are the founders of of companies, or if you're going at people that are the CMOs of these big companies, they're not always, they're not going to, they're going to be somewhere before that. They're going to be marketing interns. They're going to be marketing associates. They're going to be marketing coordinators. They're going to go all the way up that line. So this is something that HubSpot does so well, that they have content, an enormous amount of content that serves every step of the way. So when, for example, when I was just getting into marketing, HubSpot were one of the only courses around. So I took those and got the certification and they sort of got me into their environment. And I've been looking at them for years. And then when it came time for me to pick a CRM, when I was finally in that decision-making point, who do you think I went with? Of course, I went with HubSpot because I was so familiar with them. (laughs) Well, it was free until it wasn't. And that was very expensive. But the point is you have to understand that, all right, you're creating this generalized content, but it's going to pay off in the long run. So you have to balance creating like these specific things like case studies and webinars and these really bottom of the funnel pieces that are going to pull people to the finish line, but understanding that you want to have a foundation built so that in two years, you have this audience that is engaged with you that are going to be, that are going to be converting at a regular basis because of the things you built in the past. Okay, good. So, so what you're telling me is there different content has different, intention and purpose, right? Yes. Uh, And one of the things, if you're 
all you marketers and entrepreneurs who are listening. So if your SEO company, your SEO provider is not helping you define what those are, and they're just talking about keyword rankings and traffic, you are being underserved. And so a, a friend of mine who runs a company called Just Answer, he, I, I remember the word that he signs off uh, his emails with, but it's a Hawaiian term that means moving forward with purpose. And so I think if, if your SEO company is not having you move forward with purpose, then you're probably just engaging in a bunch of busy work. Yeah. And the problem is it's a very difficult and it's hard. So it's expensive. So the SEO, I'm just very familiar with the SEO space, but I'm almost certain it's with everything else with paid ads, with all the different types of marketing services you have. There are an enormous amount of companies that are competing for like a race to the bottom for prices. So they're $200 a month, $500 a month, $300 a month. And you're not going to get any value out of that because they can't provide what we're talking about. They can't dive deep into the strategy. They can't, they don't have the knowledge or they have so many clients that they have some junior person working in the account that doesn't understand what we're trying to do. So that's why we're trying to build, we're, as we scale up, I'm sure we'll talk about it is how to avoid that situation. As we hire more people that I'm pulling myself out of the strategy, how do I get that Absolutely. with the same person? So that'll be a challenge, but it's something that has to be done because like you're saying, if you're so just there is a clear in, process to do that, right? There's yeah. a very clear process to, to institutionalize the way that you think and the way that you make decisions mm-hmm. so that your team is empowered to, to look at the same kind of informations uh, and same kind of information, make the same decisions that you would make because that's the culture and expectations that you've created. Yeah. And if you don't do that, then you have people talking about title tags and meta descriptions and what keywords are going to rank. And then you're in trouble and you're burning money. Oh, awesome. Good. Because keyword rankings has always been the stupidest metric ever. Yeah. Uh, can I tell you like a super quick SEO story? So a million sure. years ago, when I was running SEO, um, or I had an SEO agency that we, that, that we sold, we had a client, they were a, a retailer and they wanted to be like the CEO said, like, we want to be number one for this term. Like, that's the only thing that matters. We're number one for this term. We'll make like a million more dollars a month or $2 million a month. Right. And I was like, oh, well, that looks like it's pretty broad. It doesn't really mean that they're interested in buying anything. It just means that they, they're looking for this big, broad term that applies to a lot of different areas. It's like, no, listen, that's what my, that's what all of my customers are searching for. I'm like, no, it's like, it's not, I I can show you, but he's like, no, this is like, this is what we have to do. And so I said, like, great, this is what we're going to do. And, and I said, so, and I said, so how am I, like I said, this is going to be hard because you're comp- like the competition is fierce. So like, you know, like, what do you think that, what do you, you know, what do you want to like throw away so we can focus on that goal? It was like nothing. All right. So then I said, okay, it costs more. And he's like, okay, no, if you can do that, like it's worth, it's worth a million dollars a month. I'm like, all right. And then, so fast forward four months later, we are sitting there at number one and we've got, we're above everybody and traffic skyrockets. Visits go up 125 or 130,000 a month. It's amazing. The net revenue increase was about five grand a month. 
That's probably because they were looking at their conversion rate on their site. Like if we get more people, we'll get this, but they don't realize the conversion rate will plummet as you get more people. Exactly, right. Because especially when you target something that's overly broad and not maybe relevant to the customer that you're serving, it doesn't really matter. So that's why this all this stuff around persona and, and focused content and creating content that has respect for where people are in their buying journey is really important because it's not about where you show up on Google. It's about what you show up for. Absolutely. And then once you get on the page, there's a whole host of other conversion rate optimization stuff that also Absolutely. falls under the hat of search engine optimization because you want to keep pe- pulling people through. And that's what will help Google understand that it's a great product. And that's a whole different discussion about optimizing on the page. All right. Okay. So, so I want to, I want to switch gears for a couple minutes because we've, we've got a few minutes left here, but when you decided to give notice at your job, yeah, was it a hard decision or was it an easy decision um, in the, the weeks and months leading up to that day? So for me, it was an easy decision as a, it was a hard sell for my wife because it's, it, it's always going to be a challenge to convince someone that we should throw away a high paying predictable job for something that's not as safe. But for me, it was an easy decision, especially because the last few months, it was such a drain working so much and feeling I was being, I was behind on both my normal job and the agency and feeling like I was being dishonest to my boss who I, who I loved and appreciate. So it was killing me inside to not tell him that I was uh, planning on leaving. And then to the point where I actually told him on Christmas Eve because I just <laughs> felt so bad. Here's, I got you a present. Exactly. I'm yeah. I, it was, there's never a good time. So I was like, you know what? I'm feeling crushed by this. It makes sense to move now. So I might as well just get this process underway as quickly as possible because my contract did say I need to give four weeks advance notice. But it turns out that after meeting with him, meeting with the, the CEO of the company, that everyone decided it was probably the the best way forward was to sever immediately because they knew that I was, yeah. once I make this decision, you're not going to be focusing on this yeah. other thing. Uh, especially it's not like I had started a job. I started a job in two weeks and can, you know, wait until then. It's like right. my life depends on this now. So they knew it was going to be my focus, yeah. but the actual process was the decision-making process was easy. I wanted to do it for a long time. And then after that, it's just a constant reminder of thinking long-term and not worrying about so much what's happening right now, just knowing that if I do the right things and keep building out the process, building out the company the right way with a strong foundation that it's going to work out in the end. And that sort of alleviates a lot of the stress that comes along with, you know, jumping off the cliff. Yeah. So, so this sounds like, so obviously you had the impulse to do this, like you had the desire to create your own agency, Yeah. but, but the thing that sort of forced it the thing that made it, it, it grow is this, the, it was the fact that you're a decent human being and that you're trying to take care of everybody, right? You're trying to take care of your, the obligation you have to your former employer, the obligation you have to your family towards, towards creating a, a better, more, or a different future. And so it was really that, is that tension that, that broke things, but has being an entrepreneur, has that something you've always wanted to do? Or was this something that occurred to you after you had hit some sort of of level of success or whatever? No, it's something I've wanted to do for a long time. So my goal was always to be the CEO of companies, whether that was 
an, another company or my own company yep. that I built probably for the last uh, 10 years or so. I knew I, that's where I wanted to go. That's why I've been learning and, and taking courses and building my, my strategy for a very long time just to be ready for this. And it's always, so for me, I don't understand possibly not wanting to do it. So I think that's a good sign that it's the right path to go because when people uh, say they can't imagine it, right. like I can't imagine not doing it. Uh, uh, yeah, so you are kind of hardwired towards, towards. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I just can't, I don't fault people for working in normal jobs and having the nine to five and just. Of course not. Cause like, like those are the people that will help your agency become successful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if you and hire a bunch of entrepreneurs, happy, is... I guarantee that your company is going down. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's what makes them happy. So that's the most important thing. So, but for me, I just, I hated sort of someone else owning my time and not being able to do what I want to do when I wanted to do it. Not like I want to go travel the world or anything right now, but just feeling the obligation of someone else's wishes I didn't like. So I am a big fan of just creating my my own way. And it just called me so strongly that I, I knew eventually I was going to do it. It happened a little faster than I anticipated, but I, I wouldn't have it any other way. It's the call of the wild. Absolutely. Right. You and Jack London. Right. right. Okay. So, so we just get a couple more minutes. Anything that, that we didn't cover that we should have covered? Not that I can, not that I can think of. There's a lot more that goes into the content creation process and then promoting it, all the different ways around that, the balance between search targeted content and thought leadership targeted content, which you mentioned earlier, which will never uh, get any search volume, but is still valuable to create. So there's a whole separate right. argument. Well, credibil- there. Credibility builders, right? And brand building and, and yep. just sort of getting your message out there and then just how to promote that on social and all these different ways as well. But yeah, if, if someone wants to learn more, they know where to find me. It's different seo.com. Yep. And this is Richard Garvey, a, a quite honestly, somebody that I'm, delighted and thrilled to work with because like this dude has got his shit together. So like that's, that's super important. And also having like, I'm an old time SEO guy, right? Yeah. And so and for everyone out there, even though it looks like we all have our stuff together, it's a tornado in the back end. Just trying, oh, totally. Trying totally, to pull everything together. Yeah. Like, but I can honestly tell you that Richard's thinking and actions around SEO are sort of on point and are on target and are exactly the right spot where they should be today because he's he's meeting he's helping markers meet the market where where it exists today so he's so these are not the things that he's talking about are not sort of future things this is not this is not things that'll work in 5 years or things that won't have impact like this the way that he works and thinks about content it not only helps increase your traffic, but it actually helps better the journey of your existing visitors because they get a better, deeper understanding and better information about your business. So if you are in need of SEO services, and as Richard told us, he said this earlier, everybody needs them, though he does have a clear demographic and psychographic that he's after. Uh, if, you met, if you meet that, then jump on in, Richard. Yeah. Garvey, like, a different like say our stuff works now and positions you as uh, an industry leader in three to five years. So you got the balance of now and in the future. All right, cool. Thank you so much, Richard Garvey, a different SEO. 
and pleasure. this has been the Kilroy Report. Hey, it's Tim. Thanks for tuning into the Kilroy Report. Your support means a lot. If you liked this episode, hated this episode, whatever, please leave your feedback at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you do that sort of thing. And if you're one of the brilliant people who love this, think about subscribing. It'll do you good. 